Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Homes.com knows having the right agent can make or break your home search. That's why they provide home shoppers with an agent directory that gives you a detailed look at each agent's experience, like the number of closed sales in a specific neighborhood, average price range, and more. It lets you easily connect with all the agents in the area you're searching so you can find the right agent with the right experience and ultimately the right home for you. Homes.com. We've done your homework. The Podcast Playground. Welcome to Taking a Walk, Music History on Foot. I'm Buzz Knight, your host. Today we have a guest with incredible stories to tell. He's been described as a modern-day Hemingway. Ian Brennan is a Grammy-winning producer who's worked with the likes of Flea, Lucinda Williams, Jonathan Richman, and Richard Thompson, just to name a few. His benefit concerts have raised lots of money for local charities and political causes. His recordings are called field recordings, documenting life or lack thereof arising from a specific place and time. He has a new field recording project on Six Degrees Records called The Oldest Voices in the World. Let's talk with Ian Brennan next on Taking a Walk. Well, Ian, congratulations on the release of uh, The Oldest Voice in the World. We've got a lot to talk about, including that. But uh, I want to really talk about how did you become like the most uh, interesting man in the world? <laughs> Just like the old uh, Dos Equis uh, commercial. Um, how did you get to this point of doing these amazing things? Well, I, I, I thank you for the compliment. I, I don't know that that's true or that it could even be possible for someone to approach that. But certainly I feel very lucky and blessed to uh, be able to do the things we're doing and to continue to do the things we're doing. Uh, we do them as money losing labors of love. So there's always doubt that we'll be able to continue. You know, I'm not a trust fund kid. I'm not rich. Uh, but um, I'm able to make money teaching and use that money to do recordings and share voices with the world that um, I think are incredibly valuable. 
and I think objectively uh, have also great value in that they're often nations, languages, and people that aren't heard from internationally uh, with any wide support. And so um, it's it's continues to be a thrill and a joy. And on the flip side of that, sadly, there there is no shortage of underrepresented or even almost unrepresented uh, voices around the world. So how did you um, create the concept known as field recordings? Well, I mean, the idea of field recordings has been around, you know, for a long time. It's in fact, in many ways, it's sort of the original recordings that was done in the late 19th century. Um, and the world word field itself has become a little bit controversial. Um, some people taking it quite literally to mean field as people working in fields, but it's the scientific term that's being used, talking about being outside of a laboratory in the real world in the field. Um, but for me, uh, having done you know a lot of recording for a long time and in, in, in traditional multi-track studios and learning that orthodoxy and 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 kind of being brutalized by it, um, the, uh, the it's very freeing to record in the original manner, which is 100% live without overdubs in most cases. I mean, it might be exceptions to that. Um, and in a specific place and time, which means usually outdoors, because the acoustics outdoors oftentimes resemble exactly the acoustics that they spend a lot of money in the studios trying to create, which are uh, acoustics that have very little reflection, because when you're out outside, you're not within four walls and a ceiling, you don't get that reverberation usually. So it ends up being quite a dead sound, really. But there are the elements of the environment itself that that bleed into the recording, both emotionally and the performance and also sonically. And talking about some of that in-studio work, you've uh, worked with a range of people, uh, everybody from Flea to Lucinda Williams to Jonathan Richmond to Richard Thompson. So it's a diverse group of people that you've uh, worked from and I'm sure learned from. Is that correct? Yeah, I think the, your, your, what you just said is really the, the key point is that I've, I've learned from them. I've learned from all those experiences. I've learned, I think, from the vast majority of people that I've ever met and recorded with and played music with. Sometimes that's negative lessons, you know, that you're you're seeing somebody uh, engage in behaviors that you don't want to engage in and, and, and maybe are in danger of doing it or have done it. Um, but mostly I think it's in positive. And a lot of those lessons are just intensifications of knowledge, something that you already know, and then it's strengthened, like, oh, okay, this really, there's something to this, because you're finding this dynamic, you know, on another continent, and you're finding this dynamic in another language. But when you talk about the artists that have these long careers, professional careers, um, there's there's good reason why they usually do. And one of those is that they tend to be quite humble in my experience. Um, the the problems usually do not come from the stars or the superstars I found. This, the problems usually come from the little people that want to be stars and superstars and aren't, and they're frustrated. Uh, but the the people that have, have managed to be around for decades and longer and, and, you know, people you're naming like Flea and 
Richard Thompson really, really put the music first and have really devoted their lives to that, and it shows. So you have expertise in uh, conflict resolution, which I'm sure, uh, going back to the studio, probably benefited you having that expertise. It's true. It's true. You know, I was supporting myself from my teen years on working in lock psychiatric settings in Oakland, California, mostly also in Los Angeles uh, for a, a brief period. And, um, you know, though those experiences, which oftentimes were very extreme and very repetitive, you know, you might have many crises in a single eight hour shift, um, did le have lent themselves and did lend themselves very well to working with artists. In fact, some of the people I've worked with in some cases have been, you know, labels or agents coming to me saying, we know you can work with this person because no one else can't. Um, and that's not to say I can't either, but, but often the challenges that people found in them were not so daunting to me. I, it, it, it's, it's not that I, didn't find them more difficult than the average individual. It's just that compared to somebody who might be acutely psychotic or in a manic state or, or otherwise, um, sometimes these problems seem quite small. And, and that came into great relief for me in the late 90s when I was doing a lot of benefit shows, organizing, uh, organizing a lot of benefit shows to raise money for charity in San Francisco. And Almost inevitably at these events, somebody would run up at some point in the evening and say, oh, my God, we have a crisis. We have an emergency. <laughs> you know? And normally I would have been at the psychiatric emergency uh, room in Oakland uh, at those exact hours, you know, which is in the evening, Fridays, Saturdays, Sundays. So they come up and they say that. And I would say, what is it? And it would always be something like we're out of beer or there's somebody that isn't on the guest list. And it's like, well. These aren't really emergencies. So, uh, you know, I understand people's concern, but it, it, in a way it became easier to to take the charge out of those things and just focus on solutions and not problems. So before we talk about uh, the oldest voice in the world, I want to talk about some of your other amazing uh, field recording work. Um, let's talk about uh, the Zamba Prison Project as an example. How did that uh, project uh, get formulated and talk about the process of that immense project? Well, you know, the Zamba Prison Project, for us, for my wife, Marilena Umahosadeli, who does all the photos and video for these projects, um, for us, it, it was a very special project, but almost every single one we've done is. So it didn't seem considerably different than many of the others. But certainly, um, after the Grammy nomination, it really changed and became something larger and bigger for that period of time. It certainly was an important thing for the country of Malawi. It was the first Grammy nomination ever and the only ever. 75% um, of the countries in Africa today still have not had a single artist nominated ever at the Grammys, uh, which is a shame and something that hopefully will be corrected in the the not so distant future over time. But um, we went there because we'd been in Malawi to, and we'd recorded, we'd met the Malawi Mouse Boys, who are just an incredible vocal group. Uh, they had tremendous success considering that they were singing in Chichewa um, and they were able to come to the UK and, and, you know, really had an impact on audiences 
that was extraordinary, something I've, I've rarely seen in my life. And then because of that, they were invited to Australia, New Zealand, and they went there and it was the same. And uh, unfortunately, it didn't lead to a sustainable career for them. Um, and they're still battling poverty. And they live in the Malawi Mouse Boys in a very remote region of Malawi, which at the time was the number one poorest country in the world. Um, they live without running water and electricity. Uh, and so we were thinking about for a long time doing a, a you know, a prison project because prisoners tend to be maligned and, and, and censored and denied all over the world. And so if there was a population that might even be more, uh, you know, uh, you know, unheard in Malawi, we figured, well, it, it must be the people in the maximum security prison. So we went there without knowing whether there would be music or not. We did know that there was a band there. Um, so that gave us some hope, but still we didn't know what that would be. And we got there and it turned out that the record is made up almost entirely of people who did not consider themselves musicians, who did not consider themselves singers, who were not in the band, or if they were in the band, they were not the singers or songwriters in the band. Um, maybe they were the backup bass player or the backup drummer. And so the process itself was was amazing. And one of the things that I do remember about the project, and it was, and this is true of so many, but in particular, when we finished recording the women on the women's side of the prison, which there are only 50 women out of 2,000 plus prisoners, and they have their own section, Marlena and I stepped outside and, and we said to each other almost simultaneously, it doesn't matter if a record ever comes from this. This was beautiful and amazing uh, from both sides, from what, from what we were told by them and from the experience that we had. And it took over a year to get anybody to be interested in the record. And then it finally came out and it did quite well for a record from a Malawi, a smaller country in, in a language other than English and, and doing songs that were decidedly non-commercial. And the New York Times wrote a piece about it and Vice wrote a piece about it. And there were a few little things here and there. There was a piece in a major French music magazine and that was January and that was that. And then Almost a year later, the Grammy nominations came around, and, and that was the year where we had done, I think, more records than any single year that had been released, something like six or seven. And of those records, I think it might have been the last one I would have assumed or picked would get nominated, if any, and it got nominated. And uh, and it just uh, snowballed from there. But uh, those individuals were incredibly talented in particular um in particular benamo um who wrote the ballads on each record um is just a talent uh that that is transcendent somebody who's not just good but is in that zone of hard to be better than you know it's not a competition but just he, he reaches a point uh musically that that very few people ever do can you describe uh the feeling you and your wife have when you first hear some of this amazing music at that first moment? Yeah, I think it's, it's just such a thrill um, when, when it, because increasingly a lot of planning goes into it. Uh, when we started doing this in 2009, it was much more on the fly um, and more and more because we're, we're traveling with a, our daughter and you know, traveling with her when she was one and when she was two and now she's six and, 
And the logistics become more complicated. Some of the populations we've been reaching uh, recently are are more difficult to reach, you know, like places that can be reached only by boat or, or you know, by off-road driving for 12 hours. We just came back from such a project. And so I think there's a, there's a level of relief, but ultimately joy when after all of that, that this leap of faith is rewarded, which is you don't even know if there's going to be music. You don't know what it's going to be. Um, but our faith is that there is music everywhere. Um, we're listening to certain people too much and repetitively. Um, the star system wants that and, 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 you know, helps, you know, promote that and generate that. But in reality, there's music in everybody. You know, it's, it's a continuum. Not, I, it's not to say that, that every single person is as gifted as Prince. I mean, there are extraordinary people such as he, um, but everybody's got music in them. And, and for people to be more active in that process, I think is healthier for them and healthier for society. And if we truly believe in diversity, then we should be listening to as many different voices as possible. When you think of uh, helping the prison system anywhere, any country, um, do you see an application here that could uh, just transcend the project and be a benefit in other prison reform? Well, you you hope so. I mean, we we did help uh, to get some people released, um, you know, from 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 Zomba. We also tried to get other people released, and and they've not yet. And you know, now it's been, uh, I mean, almost a decade since we were there, and and that's that's very saddening. Um, but sure, I think humanizing one another is is never going to not benefit us uh you know that we are able to see individuals as individuals and see people in all their complexity they're good and they're bad um and to hopefully foreground forgiveness which is something i think largely um we're lacking now i think that things have become very binary um and and very very primitive in a way like people think they're living in a modern you know world because they're using modern devices but a lot of the psychology behind it and the emotions behind it are uh, are very 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 uh black and white and and that's not beneficial to any of us really our survival and so you know we look at the united states i mean it has now some say the highest incarceration rate in the world uh, and the conditions in some of the prisons in some of the states are quite horrific. And uh, the conditions in Malawi were that, um, and in many other places in the world are that. And sometimes it's intentional because people feel like they deserve it. Um, yet, what's not factored into that equation when you take the the morality or the the philosophy out of it is that a fair number of people are innocent. And a fair number of people are being held there without yet even being proven guilty. Um, and they're living in those conditions. So in at Zomba, uh, they would sleep 60 to a, a room that was about, I think it was 18 by 20. So 60 people would sleep in that room. And th- that literally meant they had to sleep on top of each other, like sardines. So if you wanted to turn, you could only turn when everybody else turned. Um, and you could not get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom uh, without risking your personal safety. So it's not a very comfortable way to live. It's a it's a it's a way of living that I think we can't even imagine. And we're talking about people doing that in some cases, ostensibly for the rest of their lives. People that are sentenced there for life. 
When you go into a situation such as the, the Zamba project, how do you sort of decipher the voices that want to be heard versus maybe the voices that shouldn't be heard? Is, there, is this just an instinct that you have? Well, you know, I think that there's a basic barometer of truth that you can you can feel, and most of us can. Um, what I found in general is that the people that that most want to be heard are the people that tend to be the least interesting, and the people that are the most reluctant oftentimes are the ones that really are treasures. Uh, and and so that happened in Zamba. It's, it happened at the witch camp in Ghana. You know, um, where not only is it maybe someone who is doesn't consider themselves a singer is resistant to sharing their voice, but maybe other people are even obstructing that, saying, "No, no, 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 she can't sing." Like, like you know, no, 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 not her. And then other people putting themselves forward. So again, we just got back from a project, and uh, a, a person showed up uninvited, um, and uh, I, I could tell almost immediately that that this was not somebody that would be interesting to listen to, you know, just because his attitude was, I mean, number one, that he showed up and invited, but, but beyond that, um, he had a very, you know, arrogant, aggressive attitude and a very adolescent attitude, which is basically he came there, but then he, he acted like he wasn't interested. And it's like, well, you know, this, this is not the person that we're really here to listen to. The people we're here to listen to are the people that are, you know, meek and, and and afraid to share their voice and then suddenly they share something that's so incredibly intimate and beautiful um and it, it's it's when that happens it's it's just one of the most incredible experiences i think that that i've ever had and yet it's happened so many times and it's almost always happened with those individuals and it's not fake humility like oh oh me what you know no this is people that are really like nah no no really me you want to hear me i'm not a singer and then they sing, and the vast majority of the time, their voices are incredibly interesting, and their stories are 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 spellbinding and, and poignant. So the the new project, the oldest voice in the world. Thank you for bringing me back to the sky. Um, talk about this project, how you came up with the idea, and how the process began to create this project. Yeah, well, you know, Azerbaijan is another country that a lot of people don't know a lot about, maybe have not heard of. And what we've done with so many of these projects is important, and that is that it's working an important point, and that is that we're working with people within those nations that might be underrepresented, that are minoritized within their own nation, that are oftentimes singing in a foreign language within their own land. And so the people that we're working with on that uh, record are the Talish people. And they are uh, uh, have a region that is split between Iran and Azerbaijan. Um, so in the mountains, the Talish Mountains, they're living a very different lifestyle. People in the city, which the city is incredibly modern, and 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 you know, they, there's a lot of money there. There's a lot of natural resources. It's it's a beautiful capital city. You know, more fancier than most places you'll you'll visit. And yet you go a few hours south and up into the mountains and people are living, you know, riding on donkeys and, and living a rural life without running water and without electricity in a lot of cases. Um, and that's where we went. Uh, so we're hearing from people that are maligned and minoritized within their own nations 
And oftentimes, again, people will say, well, you don't want to go there. I mean, we were told that. Why do you want to go there? It's ugly there. You should go to the north. That's where it's beautiful. You should go here. They've got great, you know, wine country or, you know, they were giving us all this advice. Like, why would you want to go up there? And yet when you talk to them about it a little bit more deeply, you find that they've never been there themselves. It's just straight up prejudiced, you know, that, that, that this is their knowledge and their knowledge is based on no knowledge um and and yet that 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 lack of knowledge gets gets repeated and becomes fact to so many people um and so you know when we recorded in 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 northern ghana at the witch camps ghana is a vibrant nation and has a lot of incredible things in in the capital city accra in particular but it's a huge nation physically and in the north it's a very different world um and where the most of the witch camps are um and while we were there we recorded with a group called fra fra from the fra fra people in the fra fra language and uh the leader small um sadly passed away last year but incredible musician incredible singer incredible songwriter the energy of somebody, you know, 20, 30 years younger than he was. I mean, and, and he literally looked 20 or 30 years younger than he was. But again, they're singing in a language that that less than 3% of the people in their nation speak and understand. And they're singing in this language uh, that is the only language they know. So even though English is spoken widely there because of the colonialistic history, and a lot of people are bilingual or trilingual, they were not. Um, and even though there's the dominant language for the country that is spoken mostly in the South, they don't speak that either. Uh, so they're at a real disadvantage. And the Talish people in Azerbaijan, it was similar. So we went there because it that region is known for longevity. Um, supposedly, the oldest man recorded known man to live was from there. Um, he died in the 70s. He uh, It was supposed to have been 168 when he passed away. There have been other people that are from there that they claim to be 145, 150. You know, they call them super centenarian so not just not just somebody who's made a hundred but made it well past a hundred so we figured well these are these are voices to hear from and as an act of anti-ageism i mean that's really it is that you know all the focus on youth and the visual uh focus of most modern music where a lot of the the musical artists now are much more engaged in visuals than they are in sound they don't sound that different from one another um but you know all it's always about the video and 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 the style and 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 the symbolism so as an antidote to that, we figured, well, you know, let's not just listen to people that are older, which we try to do on every project as much as possible. We want to hear from the women versus the men. We want to hear from the elders versus the people that are younger. And so in this case, we're really going further, and that is people that are over 100 years old. And so we went there in search of that. And again, these were almost exclusively people that did not consider themselves singers, that were not songwriters. Um, and yet, the voices are incredibly unique and 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 revealing and uh courageous and so it's it's unlike anything i've ever heard before and and it was uh uh incredibly moving but also you know a learning process to meet these individuals even if it was for short periods of time each so I know there's one song in particular there that uh, caught my eye, but many of them did. But this one caught my eye. My life is good. It is like a flower. The, the simplicity 
of of the statement and the song and the beauty just radiate yeah i i i, I really you know there's there's that element of uh, almost haiku you know this the 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 simplicity but the beauty um of i think a lot of folk poetry there there's another song on the record where the the it's it's two lines and it's you're like a bird you love to fly and that is so much better than 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 the majority of song lyrics you know there doesn't need to be more um you know it's it's so well written you couldn't improve upon what it is um it's just beautiful um and so uh yeah it, it, that's that's great i think that you that you notice that because it to me it's it it was striking as well i mean just th- this is this is poetry another one mother why did you lead me so soon yeah it's uh what one of the things maybe one of the most exp- unexpected things and one of the most poignant things was how many of them talked about and sang about their own mothers uh you know that they were were still feeling that loss uh even when they were past 100 years of age and then the words of advice to the one son don't go there the road is dangerous yes yeah and the roads there can be very dangerous <laughs> the roads there are uh you know snowy icy most of all muddy um and steep uh we got stuck in the mud uh, on on one of those roads and it was it was uh it went from seeming you know, not it didn't seem like a particularly bad road, and then the next moment it got scary. It got scary very quickly. So, talk about the fact that you're able to find six degrees records and work with a label that has no commercial expectations whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, Six Degrees has been around now for more than twenty-five years, and they follow their hearts. And that never became clearer to me than with Zomba Prison, because my history with them was that they started the year that I started doing a free uh, weekly show, acoustic show in a laundromat in San Francisco. I did it for five years every Monday night. Um, is this the live, the live nude bands? Is that what we're talking no, about? No, this is uh, that was one of the benefit shows. This was a, uh, an unscrubbed live from the laundromat. And so every week I would have a different guest from the local music scene and and uh, record them. That's where I started really doing field recordings, unintentionally so, actually, um, and learning a little bit about recording because I wasn't an engineer. I'm still not, really. I do it out of necessity. Um, and uh, But I started doing that at the same year they found the label in San Francisco, where you know I was born and raised in the Bay Area. Um, my whole life I'd been there, nowhere else. And there was this label and they became successful. And yet, you know, I, I basically they had no interest in what I was doing, ostensibly. Um, finally, about 10 years later, uh, someone I knew introduced me to to one of the people at the label and they agreed to meet with me. I think a little reluctantly, not, you know, like not that they were, I, they were ambivalent, I think, but but they were willing to meet with me. And so I met with them and. And so we became friendly, and and this was the time that I we'd moved overseas. So when I would come back to work, um, about once a year, I'd go see them, and I'd say, "Hey, there's 
there's this project and they check it out and they say, yeah, 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 that's not for us. And I'd meet with them again and say, ah, oh, well, there's this project and that project. And they say, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. And no, 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 that's not for us. And so this went on for years. Um, and uh, finally, one time we, I went to their offices and we went around the corner for coffee. We did the ritual. We talked about life and, you know, really good people and spent a little time together. And I told them what I was doing and, 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 and they were like, yeah, 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 that's, that's not going to work. And it, it, I, I'd kind of reached that point, but I felt like, well, you know, it's lovely to meet with them on a personal level, but I don't think this is ever going to go anywhere. And as we were walking back to their offices, which was just a few blocks away, uh, they said, what else are you working on? And I said, oh, we just, we went to this, we went to this prison in Malawi and, you know, recorded the men and women there in the maximum security prison. And he said, that's something I'd want to hear. And I'm like, really? <laughs> like, that's something he wanted? Okay, I, I guess I've been going about this all wrong. So um, I sent I sent Bob the, the music. Um, and uh, the next day, he, he, you know, told me he immediately, immediate response, said, we have to do this record. We will lose money doing this, but we have to do this. We have a responsibility to do this record. And for me, that sums up, everything about Bob and everything about the label. But it's also your compass, too, that uh, leads that charge as well. Well, yeah, I, I guess. I'm not sure my compass is always is always right. But, uh, but uh, I, I do, in, in hindsight, look back on 90-something percent of what we've done and stand by it fully. And, and that's always been our practice when we do these is that we record a lot of things we don't put out and we go places not knowing what we're going to find. So if we put something out, we believe in it. And so uh, I have no issue with people not liking it, but when people take issue with it as if it's objectively lacking in some way, it's like, no, 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 this is, this is intentional. Um, these records are intentional. And most of them are punk rock records. They're roots records. They're folk records. They're experimental records. Oftentimes they're avant-garde records in, in many cases as well. And a lot of that doesn't sit well with the sort of the traditional world music, global music orthodoxy who, who are still coming from that place of, of tradition. And, and this is what music from this country is supposed to sound like. And, and, and no, that we're not interested in any of that. We're interested in the birth of sounds and we're interested in hearing voices that we've not heard before. And so for me, the ultimate barometer is when somebody sings and it doesn't sound like anybody I've ever heard before. That's an exceptional experience because the vast majority of commercial music, the person sounds like an amalgam of five people um, or exactly like a singer. You know, and instead you hear somebody that doesn't sound like anybody you've heard before. It's like that has to have value if you value diversity and it's not about liking it or not liking it it's just here's a language that i've never heard a record from before original music from here's a voice that sounds unlike any voice i've ever heard before it's not a voice for everybody but how can that not be something that should be celebrated or supported to some degree and yana mamina from djibouti which is a country that a lot of people don't know it's less than a million people it's smaller um she's one of those people that she has one of the most original voices i've ever heard but it's a voice that for a lot of people would be like you know uh nails on a chalkboard um they would think that she's out of control and that and that and that it's not intentional 
But in fact, you can listen to her sing the same song 10 times and it's the same every time. I mean, she knows what she's doing um, and she's she's playing with the edge of chaos. Similarly to, you know, someone like, you know, a free jazz player, you know, Ornette Coleman or, or, or someone of that nature uh, who, again, you can't expect the average person to like that. And they're not wrong to not like it. It's just that the music we're making is decidedly non-commercial. It's not meant for everybody. But when people do connect with it, it's usually on a very deep level. And I would much rather that one person falls in love with the voice and it helps enrich that person's life on a significant level, that level of intimacy, than to have 100,000 views by people that don't even remember what it was a day later, an hour later, a second later. It doesn't have any lasting impact because it's too repetitive of the patterns that we already know in Western music. In closing, um, do you think music has a a healing power to uh, the soul? It has definitely a healing power. I mean, neurologists know that it is the stimulus that activates more parts of your brain than anything else simultaneously. Um, And so I can tell you about my sister, Jane. She has Down syndrome. Um, music was what connected us growing up. She was uh, had a very limited vocabulary of her life. Now, at the end of her life, towards the end of her life, she is almost completely nonverbal. She's uh, now non-ambulatory. She's almost exclusively bedridden. She can't feed herself. Um, she's incontinent. Um, and, uh, and, and so largely, uh, she doesn't communicate at all. But when I go to see her, um, I'll put on music. And when I put on music, suddenly she will slowly blossom like a flower. Um, and her inability to move, um, what ability she has is regained. And that usually begins with her left hand. She's a left-handed person. So she'll start moving her left hand a little bit. Um, and, you know, over the course of a couple of Michael Jackson songs and a couple of Village People songs, uh, she might start clapping her hands if encouraged to do so. And she might start singing non-verbally, but she'll start singing and she'll start laughing. And that's the power of music is that it's able to do something that physical therapists have not been able to do, that psycho, you know, tropic medications have not been able to do for her. Um, that even in this state where many people have labeled her as vegetative or have la- labeled her as demented, um, there's a depth there that, that can be reached by music that these other means cannot. Ian Brennan, congratulations on the release of The Oldest Voice in the World, and uh, congrats on all your your great work, and uh, thank you for sharing it on the Taking a Walk podcast. Oh, thank you. It was great talking with you, Buzz. Thank you. Taking a Walk with Buzz Knight is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Are you looking for the perfect move in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy. Enjoy below market interest rates starting at 
6.75% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 